0: I want to go to there?
1: Snipe! I saw it in the window and I just couldn't resist it. Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who've just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
2: Are we having fun yet?
1: <laughs> yes, 30 hours. Yes. agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's a cunning plan, actually. Would
2: you believe it?
0: And
2: you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear
0: eyes, but hearts, keep Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kalslick and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
1: Ah, uh, you know what? You know what I didn't do this week? Didn't write any think pieces. Isn't that Isn't nice? Isn't that fantastic? Ah, uh, it's been so good to not write any think pieces.
0: <laughs> well, there's a lot of uh, news... Uh, that you could discuss. It, it, there's there are plenty of topics. Of course, it's been Mad Men Palooza on uh, Think Peace Wise.
1: C- can I just say that I, I I know it's not. I mean I am guilty of this. I'm actually angry at myself that I've let myself be co opted into the the kind of society that just casually and uh, and habitually uses the term Think Piece mm-hmm. uh, and has just adopted it as part of my vernacular. When column or feature would work just as well and are real words.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, But if you weren't going to write about Mad Men, you could have written about uh, Twin Peaks. (laughs) Or Trevor Noah. Uh, Or maybe the American season. Let's end on a positive thing. The Americans was renewed here. uh, For next uh, season. Very exciting.
1: I should mention, (laughs) of course, last week, the one time... The one time that I say I'm optimistic about something, it immediately is tarnished, and that's what happened with Trevor Noah. Um, I will say that I don't think the show—I find it fascinating that, that we have these impossible—maybe not impossible, but very high standards for what a daily ho- show, host would be when, you know, 16 years ago, Jon Stewart was not Jon Stewart. Um, he, was, he was just a guy, probably just as seemingly random a choice as Trevor Noah is, and— um, I don't see any reason that the show won't be good with him, uh, just because he made a bunch of bad, distasteful, but more more importantly, bad jokes uh, on Twitter, which is not altogether a, a comedy friendly format for most comics. Uh, that being said, it was a little bit dispiriting.
0: Oh yeah, certainly the sexism and like like just all, there's so much wrong with with several of these tweets. Yes, the fact that they're not funny is one thing, but like I, I'm sensitive to sexism. That is, anyone who's listened to this podcast will know that I wave my feminism flag all the time. Um, so his pot shots at fat chicks and, and stuff like this, his term, um, not mine, uh, were, we're really di- not your dispiriting to say the very least. Um, and definitely hampered my um, uh, enthusiasm. I would like to think that he has matured since he wrote some of these tweets. I don't know if that's the case. And I think that his comedic sensibilities will become pretty clear once he takes over the show, which he is still doing. This has not affected that at all. Uh, Comedy Central has come out vocally in support of him. Uh, So I'm not too worried about it. The the thing, um, and if, if I I find his comedic sensibilities distasteful, as I find many most of those tweets that have gotten cherry picked incredibly distasteful. I just will no longer be watching the Daily Show. And that's okay with me. Um what I what I was actually more annoyed by was the reaction to the react people's reaction. Um so dismissing anything that critic was critical as free speech. Comedy <laughs> like oh you're just you're just all a bunch of haters. All right, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to me. The notion that you can't criticize co- comedy, like you criticize any other art form, is absurd to me. Um, so yes, there was a lot. There were a lot of think pieces.
1: I don't know when it is that comedy became sacred or comedians uh, got up on this high horse of the only people who understand comedy are comedians. Um, yeah this like what comedian privilege i guess you could call it um i don't really know when that started but boy am i tired of it
0: yeah yep definitely definitely tired of it like isn't part of the whole point to have a discussion yeah
1: and also this i mean i don't want to go on go on about this too long but this notion of uh of you play to the room uh that that you're in makes a lot of sense uh twitter's not a room though no uh, Twitter is the world. It doesn't matter if you have five followers or five million. Um, it is it is not a room, unless you're thinking of the biggest, giantest room ever conceived.
0: Last week, I was giving Alicia Florrick a hard time, because when you write something online, it never goes away. Uh, she apparently didn't understand that. That is also true to everyone who tweets anything on Twitter. If you didn't want it to you know, be brought up, then you shouldn't have put it online. Don't be surprised that your tweets don't d- disappear when you you're the one who wrote them and put them up online. That's how the internet works, and at this point, we understand that.
1: Yep this this is why I backspace more tweets than I actually tweet.
0: Yep, 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 yep. That's that's <laughs> you know like the what's the more important part of the pencil? Which end of the pencil is more important? The eraser, obviously. Um, th- that's how I feel about uh tweets and Twitter as well. Um, so anyways, we'll hold off on any more discussion of this, hopefully unless something new comes up, until Trevor Noah takes over the Daily Show. We should mention though, uh, I already mentioned it, but any thoughts on Twin Peaks? Uh, David Lynch is now saying he won't direct any of the, the episodes because Showtime's not giving them a big enough budget to actually you know, conceive or, or carry out his vision. Um, do you think this will stick?
1: I have no idea. This whole thing uh, for lack of a better term and pardon my French, is such a clusterfuck that I don't know. There is a story here, and I don't know if we're ever gonna actually hear it. But the just the just for no if you if I had to isolate one thing, just the fact that Showtime announced it and made a promo and had a rollout and were like, "Yes, we're doing it, 2016, it's happening," and didn't lock it down. Yeah, is is insane to me. Yep. Absolutely Uh, agreed. That being said, the situation is fluid. I wouldn't be totally shocked if they managed to still uh, reconcile something. Uh, That being said, I would be even less shocked if the whole thing just fell apart completely.
0: Yeah, it really could go either way. And um, yeah, this just can't be what they were hoping uh, to have their narrative be on Twin Peaks. But How you, again, like you said, how you announce this before you have, uh, David Lynch under a contract, I don't know. That is crazy talk to me, um... But yeah, anyways, we should we should move on with uh, from from our I guess our, our news segment uh, here on the podcast. Uh, at the end of the podcast, we'll be talking with Jennifer Armstrong about uh, Seinfeld, which was so much fun. Um, and we also spoke with you guys somewhat this week, um, heard from James and Mario about Younger. Um, they seem to be enjoying it, which is great. Mario says we were talking about Canadian TV and film. Um, Mario says I don't know any Canadian TV programs airing now, but I'm still a fan of Slings and Arrows. Is there a list? Oh, oh yeah, and Orphan Black, Tatiana Rules. Um, so what are some Canadian TV shows that are that are happening right now that you can think of? I, I immediately I go to Orphan Black and Continuum if that's still going and Lost Girl, but I feel like there's got to be some more.
1: Uh, there's lots, uh, well, not of a lot course. that I watch. Uh, I know that. Uh, CBC has a a whole new round of original programming that I haven't been watching, um, because I'm a terrible patriot, apparently. Um, Beyond that, I can't really speak to the quality of any of those, like, X company um, I mean, uh, Murdoch Mysteries is always going, which is a phrase that means nothing to you, (laughs) uh, but does to many, many Canadians, and even less to me, Uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't really know. Someone someone else will have to chime in on the on the relative quality of those new and ongoing series.
0: Yeah, so let us know if you've got if you're a fan of some Canadian shows, um let us know the ones that are sticking with you right now. Um Carl says, "Have you watched Daredevil yet and are there any Spartacus actors in Daredevil or did Arrow scoop them all up?" From what I can tell, Carl, there do not appear to be any of the Spartacus cast on Daredevil at least in according to IMDb and no, we have not watched any Daredevil yet, but I'm looking forward to it this week.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm not really looking forward to like another Netflix deluge, to be honest. Uh, because I know Kane and I are very tired of, of the episode dumps. Um but that's us. That's a that's an us problem. I'm sure other people are, are very into that. Because no one else is watching all of them because yeah. they're not dumb. <laughs> um but yeah. Uh, as I mentioned elsewhere, I will be pulling the trigger on this very quickly. Uh, with with Netflix, I have a two to three episode rule. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Stephen Knight, y- y- you got to get me right from the beginning on this one.
0: See, that's the thing. It's Stephen Knight. So after how much we loved Spartacus, and this is just, you know, a great opportunity for us to remind y'all, go watch Spartacus. It's amazing. And it's on Netflix now. So, yay. Um, yes i I would watch pretty much anything that he put out and give him the benefit of the doubt of probably almost an entire season um so i'm I'm also excited for this content and this this uh character and this cast most of this cast um so 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 it's just a wonderful conflagration for me and if if this is a good show and then it brings more eyes to Spartacus, that's even better. that's just icing on the top um any other thoughts on Daredevil?
1: Uh no. You're... What what was what was that most of this cast for?
0: There are a few that when I look at the cast list, I go uh, them. <laughs> uh, but I assume there must be quite a bit that the people, the very smart people involved in making the show. Uh, many things that they know that I do not. But for example, Vincent D'Onofrio, Rosario Dawson, there's a lot of cast here that I'm very excited about.
1: For a second I thought you were dissing Rosario Dawson. I was like, no, what
0: are you gotta get Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson's awesome. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But to be continued next week when we've actually seen some of the show. Uh, as for the question of the week last week, we were t- asking which non streaming show would you like to see pop up? We heard from Shan and Beth. Shan says my non streaming choice uh, would be is the middleman, which Fabulous choice, Jan. We love the Midland here. Um, and he says, I have it on DVD, but I want the push-button Ease. It'd be also it'd be easier to get other people to watch it if it was on streaming. So good pick there. Beth says, once and again, um, Season 1 was my first box set ever, and they never released Season 3. I never get when they do that. Like, they release part of a show, but not the whole thing. That's odd to me. Um, anyway, she says, also 30-something and Sisters. So Hershkowitz's Wick shows with seal Award. I sense a theme. Um, I have not seen hardly anything of any of those so those would be good picks for me
1: Uh, i haven't seen uh no none of them
0: fair enough well maybe they do need to get up on streaming so we can catch up uh we also of course like we said last week there's lots of great content going up at sound of the site this week there's a few articles coming up on the theme of uh, sexual assault awareness month because of course april is sexual assault awareness month um that i'm excited for y'all to read um but we should move on uh because we got a full week in TV, so many things to talk about. So we'll take a break oh, and we'll God. come back with our week in comedy and genre. week in comedy, we're going to preview the Comedians, new FX comedy uh, with uh, Billy Crystal and Josh Gad, as well as give a give preview of the uh, first half of this coming season of Louie. Um, we don't have screeners for Veep or Silicon Valley, guys, but we're very excited that they're coming back this next week. Then we'll talk a bit about how last week tonight because uh, holy crap, as well as uh, some Fresh Off the Boat, Children's Hospital. Um, you'll talk a little bit about Big Time in Hollywood, Florida, and then we'll both dive in with the Archer finale. And then after that, we're going to talk some Outlander, midseason premiere, The Reckoning, Flash, and uh, Fortitude. Lots of genre to talk about, but let's kick things off with the comedies. Um, I watched the first nine of the comedians, and I'll have a review up at, at the AV Club for this as well that people can go check out. How many episodes of this did you watch?
1: Uh, I only had time for the pilot this week.
0: Lynn, what did you think? Uh, i'm
1: I'm undecided. Uh, i'm I'm jealous of you that you're getting to go into the segment having seen nine. Um I think there are aspects. I mean, the basic concept for anyone who's not familiar is Billy Crystal and Josh Gad play themselves in a mockumentary format style documenting of their new FX series. So in a way, it's actually it's actually a very old fashioned show. It's very much Billy Crystal doing Larry Sanders. Um, almost exactly actually. <laughs> Um, to like a to to an, to a surprising degree where it, it it feels it's like an edgier retake of that basically and even even Larry Charles is involved didn't he have some sort of involvement in Larry Sanders as well or am I imagining that anyway whoop, whoop, forget about that part uh, it's very Larry Sanders esque is what I'm trying to say uh, it's not as good as Larry Sanders most things aren't um, there are a few jokes that land the stuff with the producer character uh, not so great in this first episode i'm hoping that gets better later the gag with the with her stomach sounds was awful i don't know what they were going for with that at all um some of the inter inter-character stuff with gad and crystal works really well and it's nice to see crystal not mugging it up for a change or mocking his own mugging it up it's an obvious source of humor and pathos for him but i think it mostly works uh, mostly just because it's been so i can't remember the last time he got anything like that to do that wasn't larger than life. And the show acknowledges that and is, and plays it up to an appropriate degree. Uh, But yeah, kind of all over the place in terms of the stuff that lands and the stuff that doesn't, does that improve over the course of the episodes?
0: Well, uh, first of all, I have to comment on the hive mind because for me, this is a show that is um, very reminiscent of Larry Sanders, like all the way through 30 rock. Like this is a very familiar setup and premise to a show. Um, This is, 30 Rock, if it was less zany and followed around uh, two more realistic leads who aren't getting along. Um, so, if it was following like a more realistic version of Jenna and Tracy on 30 Rock, um, who didn't want to work together but were forced to work together, that's basically what it would be. So, you have like the writer character who's underappreciated, and like you said, the producer um is very harried and has to deal with these two difficult stars you have the useless um PA character like these are very clear like stock characters for the show behind the show within the show kind of comedy um so i i think it would be easy for people to go into this with too high of expectations because oh my god guys it's comedy le- legend billy crystal uh returning to television so i would say if you can abandon that baggage and just watch it as a show that's funny. I think people will like it more. I know that I definitely liked these first nine uh, quite a bit more the second time through. When I was first watching it, I just kept waiting to laugh a bunch, and that wasn't <laughs> happening. Um, but but the second time through, I could appreciate more of the, the character dynamics. And I do really, I think Crystal and Gad are, are very good together. Once they get past the really forced um, they-don't-like-each-other part of it, which when they can just can relax around each other like in the pilot there's a scene where they're two just they're just like yes anding each other sort of and it's really fun it's great and then they go for an obvious sabotage of that and that's not funny at all and it's also not believable because the one character says something that the other character doesn't like but the reason they say it is so the other character cannot like it not because it's funny, um, and so so I think that there's when the, when they get past that contrivance of these two characters, these two actors don't like each other, but they have to work together, um, and really settle more into a, a rapport that that I think that works a lot better. Um, I do think that the producer character Kristen gets a lot better stuff to play over the course of the season um yeah that th- that improves the i like the performance from that actress she's like there's a level of calm but underneath that there's just barely can uh strained, like, terror that i think that you know or just constant stress maybe or anxiousness anxiety i think that that works pretty well and is is fun but yeah, I would say mostly this is going to come down to whether people want to spend time with Billy Crystal and Josh Gad. And there's some really zany and, like, there's one episode that's just ridiculous and, and a lot of fun. And there's another episode in these first nine that's uh, that's much more dramatic and much more just, like, day in the life, kind of, of a like, a meaningful day for one of the characters that... Has some really lovely dramatic beats, um, and yeah, I mean, people will have seen the ads of Josh Gad running around in a baby costume and answering his phone. Like when when we see the characters actually working on their show and the real like the normal like when they're not shooting when they're not running lines they're just hanging out and they're wearing these ridiculous costumes. But that's a normal day for them. I think that stuff really works. Like I would love to see a show where they actually dive into. You have these two co- comedians with different comic sensibilities arguing about what's funny, because comedians take their comedy incredibly seriously and they're passionate about it. And they and as, they will,
1: as we noticed this week on Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Um, but you know, watching how a a funny moment gets crafted, like which line delivery is gonna make it work, and they will argue to the death about this that, and then one of them hopefully it does work like that kind of th- I feel like I haven't seen a show actually do that and so I would love for this to become that show but I don't think they're interested in doing that you know what I mean so I just it's mm-hmm. it's tricky so I think there's stuff here that's a lot of fun I do agree that it's very much in Larry Sanders mold it's not that next level though uh, yet it's fun but it's nowhere near for me the, the level of uh, Larry Sanders or even a 30 rock at its best um, it's way better than Studio 60 though so, there's yeah, that. Well. And it's the first season. It's the first season, yeah. And and again like I said, the second time through i liked like to quite a bit more. All right. What about Louie? We've seen the first four and uh there are going to be thoughts for the fourth.
1: <laughs> there are going to be so many thoughts on the fourth. Um here's the thing about these so they're only doing 8 episodes this season, so we've seen half the season. Four is actually a lot uh, in terms of a representative sample. Um I think that uh, the, the premiere that airs this week, uh, which is called Potluck, is my least favorite of the four. Um, the first half of it is actually pretty good. Um, I, I can't really say more than that. It's got a it's got a lovely chicken frying sequence. Um, th- that's probably the only show about that I could say that about that is not a cooking show, I guess. Um, and it has some nice touches. It kind of nosedives about halfway through and goes to some places that we've seen before. And I think the, the there is a systemic problem with uh, some of these episodes, which is that they're he's kind of repeating himself for the first time with some of them, which I think is unfortunate, but I think they get progressively better. uh, And there are things to like in all of them. And uh, the, yeah, the the fourth one. Anyway, I I wish I could say more about that, but you're just going to have to wait another four weeks uh, to, to see that one. But I, I, I will say that uh, Pamela is, is around. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that, considering how last season ended. And I continue to always love the Pamela stuff.
0: Yeah. Pamela Adlon's always great on the show and uh, they give her some, some very interesting material and, and fun material. There's the dynamic between uh, Adlon and uh, Louis is, is really, it's great. That's all I'm going to say until y'all have seen it. As for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. I Having seen four, having seen half of this season, I, I feel like I need to wait until I've seen more to have a sense of the season as a whole because right now it's underwhelming um however there are certain threads that i feel like he may be expanding upon and when viewed as the whole will be more meaningful sort of like last season with his discussion of uh of women and gender roles and, and and like sort of last season charting Louis's relationship with his ex-wife and with his this new girlfriend and with his daughters in a way that, you know, more in-depth, in a way that they hadn't done before. If you watch just the first few episodes, you may not pick up on that thread. I feel like there may be a thread of fatigue and aging and um, inability to, you know, fear of inability to best oneself. Like, there are certain th- themes like that that seem like they could be building to something. Um, at least thematically, if not, obviously, he doesn't really do plot. but um, Or dissatisfaction, you know what I mean? Uh, d- would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I'm not sure yet. Uh, as you say, we've seen four episodes. Uh, I've been writing my, because re- I'm going to be doing weekly reviews uh, over at Sun on Site, So I've had the, the, the privilege to be able to be writing these in advance. So I've watched these a couple of times, and I've got a couple of my reviews done already. And Louis is one of those rare shows that I like more when I write about it. Most shows I find, when I really scrutinize them, like The Good Wife, I like them less, and it diminishes my enjoyment. But when I'm forced to sort of rewatch and really examine, even in the first episode, which I didn't really like that much on balance, I still found more to like than I did on first viewing. Uh, He also has said that he wanted this season to be sillier Mm -hmm. and more sort of fun than last season was, and I think that is mostly borne out in these episodes. They are uh, not as heavy as... I. uh, for the most part, uh, they're, they're, they don't have the heaviness of the heaviest stuff from last season. Which is not to say that they're happy-go-lucky for the most part. Um, there's also, they're also notably um, much less guest-heavy than last season was. Uh, I won't say more than that, um, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, so if you're if you're looking for a grand thesis statement this year, I don't. It may not be coming and i and that's sort of another thing i feel like knowing that or if that is the way forward then i have to readjust my thinking in a whole other way louis is is a show that i i am prone to, it just it makes me excited to overanalyze it and then when i when i realize i'm overanalyzing it the wrong way i have to o- overanalyze it a total other way and the, and the premiere that happens this week really throws you off because it could have aired at any point mm-hmm. in the show's history it has no pamela it has no daughters it has no ties to anything that's going on in the show. And it's also not particularly good, I don't think. So it, it completely, if you're looking for like an opening statement to define what the season's about, it doesn't help you at all.
0: One thing I will say, though, I'm very happy about this season. I'm so glad to have the theme song back.
1: And and stand up. And stand up, yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I was missing it. A lot. Last season is wonderful, but I was still missing that. Louie, Louie. And so it's so lovely to have that. Back here. Um, any other thoughts on Louis, or shall we move on to the rest of our comedy? Let's
1: save it. We got we got so much, we but I'm so always much. happy to have it back.
0: We have to talk about last week tonight, and I was I was not going to watch this until later in the week when I had more time. You know, normally we don't talk about last week tonight on the podcast, and then I got a message from you on Facebook that said it's an hour long last week tonight. And I was like, well then, I'm immediately watching this, even though I'm half asleep.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, and as soon as we got to the part of the episode where they started their main topic and I looked and saw it was a half an hour, uh, I, I, I I don't think there are words for how excited I was, uh, because you knew it was going to have to be amazing if they were spending a half an hour on, uh, the government surveillance and the Patriot Act and and all of that. Uh, did you have a similar thought process?
1: Uh, uh. I wasn't I, – I, I didn't have the same sense of anticipation. I was – he did say – he had a comment uh, early in the episode that said, this is a long episode. It'll be clear why later or something to that effect. <laughs> um, I didn't think it was going to be that, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. I didn't know that this was possible, but we're going to just quickly not spoil last week tonight and say, guys, hour-long or 45-minute long last week tonight, and it's really funny and it's amazing – And y'all should go check it out. Um, We're giving you the opportunity to not be spoiled.
1: Yes. Please take it.
0: Um, Now, clearly, if you're still listening, you don't care. So, holy crap, Snowden.
1: Yep. Yeah, he went to Russia and talked to Snowden for uh, something like 20 minutes. uh, Roughly seven to eight minutes of which was about dick pics. Um, It was amazing and hilarious and sad. (laughs) Yeah, there was a, was a lot more sad than i was expecting to be honest but uh just as much hilarious and also it's been noted in uh in the few people who really covered this i i noticed that this was not as big a deal as it really should have been uh which i blame on madmen um and general ignorance of ed Snowden, to be honest um that this was actually if not the most critical interview students ever gotten, then pretty close, because he does grill him, at least, on on the way that journalists have messed up with with his intel. And that's more than I've seen anyone else do, which is kind of remarkable.
0: Yeah, it's pretty sad, frankly. But I guess if you're, you know, living in Russia and um, on lots and lots of security watch lists, you're only really going to agree to interviews with journalists you think are going to be very supportive in the first place so yeah the, the the from the moment that um oliver says that he flew to russia to interview Ed snowden um i there's like just like anticipatory glee from me uh but then when they arrive and uh oliver is getting increasingly frustrated because snowden hasn't shown up uh it, that's delightful only at Aided with the oh, we are, our interview room is across the street from the Russian former KGB. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's why he's not here yet. <laughs> it was just the the progression of it was fabulous, um, and then just the use of the uh, man on the street interviews uh, from Times Square that they they have here. Those can easily get very old, but again. Couching this discussion of of uh, of surveillance in dick pics, the language of dick pics, is brilliant, and apparently the only way to get people to care about the widespread uh, s- surveillance of of their phone records. Um, and and e- even more entertaining is Snowden's like bemusement at that, where he's like, "Huh? It's like yeah, that's that's the level you need to take this to for the American people to care."
1: Yeah, I was curious as to how much prep they did before that, because he does really seem to just roll with it. Yeah. Um, and, like, he, do, he does not miss a beat. And it's it's been clear in other appearances of his, and even a little bit in Citizen 4, that he is not without a sense of humor, which I would think that you would have to have a sense of humor mm-hmm. to be through the rigmarole that he's seen. And I love that Oliver can't even resist, um, you know, when he hands over his supposed actual dick pic, which... I'd love to know if that's real or not.
0: I think it is based on Snowden's reaction. <laughs> I think like it really seems like it's the oh, way whats What is what what is happening
1: right now? It's it's great to think so, but the way he hands it over, he's like, don't just show, of course you just show that off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, we're 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 basically just down to that was amazing. That was amazing. Uh, so you, the, I don't really know if I have that much more critical to say about it, but it was not being spoiled on that. And catching that uh, pretty close to live was one of the most delightful surprises of the year for me so far.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Well done, last week, tonight, team. Uh, beautiful restraint shown. And, and just like their commitment to comedy over ratings to not announce that, that this was happening. Or if they announced that this was happening, nobody covered it, which I can't imagine would be the case. So I'm going to go with, I think they just didn't tell anyone this was happening. They
1: they did not tell anyone. There's no way.
0: Yeah. Uh, that is fabulous. And so hopefully you'll get plenty of coverage over the course of the week now that Twitter has, you know, at least started to move on a little bit from Mad Men's premiere. Um, but yeah, y'all go watch it. It's amazing. Next up, week uh, Weekend TV. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, fresh off the boat blind spot because we haven't really talked about fresh off the boat the last several weeks but i have still been watching and i did particularly enjoy um this episode where we where we learned that eddie's parents each have a blind spot uh the dad can't tell and people are in love with him and the mom has no gaydar so gaydar and lovedar uh, are their two blind spots and it, i thought it was a particularly fun episode i liked how it came together and uh yeah I, I'm I'm still very much enjoying fresh off the boat, silly fun every week. Speaking of Children's Hospital, we are not our DNA. Uh, was was particularly delightful. Um, you know, Heaven Rue Winkler being Neil Armstrong, and uh, just like the, it's a very straightforward premise, and uh, I liked what we get with Josh Molina. I like that they, you know, it's nice to see him pop up. I always enjoy him, uh, but the. Yeah, it's very straightforward, but I I still really enjoy everything they do there, and I'm not gonna say more because I know you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, Simon. So instead, I'm gonna ask you, what did you think of Big Time in Hollywood, Florida this week? Intervention? Should I do I need to seek it out yet or not yet?
1: Nope. The only reason I'm bringing it up this week is because I watched the first half of this week's episode, and there were two rape jokes in the space of I want to say about seven minutes. Uh, and not good ones. Like, <laughs> if you're, it's a, it's a not, they were not good versions of jokes that are generally inadvisable. Uh, so, yeah, that, that just, at, at a certain point, to quote Derek Ladue, my day opened up, and I was, no, nope. Gave you a chance. It, it's a, it's a busy season, we gotta pull the trigger early. Hello, Bloodline so you know i i I made a judgment call so sorry big time in hollywood florida maybe later but probably not
0: (laughs) i'm just glad then that i didn't watch it yet and uh i look forward to any discussion that may prompt uh she said half-heartedly um let's move on to the archer finale Jurassic voyage part two um i guess let's start with televisions uh tv's michael gray were you glad to see him return here
1: uh yes that was completely delightful
0: what about the rest of the episode?
1: Um you know as soon as I figured out as soon as we found out that it was going to be uh the gang goes into the human body in the style of Fantastic Voyage, I think it's Fantastic Voyage. I always get those mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's felt it seemed to me like the the rest of the plot was pretty much preordained. Yeah. Um which like obviously the ship's going to go to full size while they're still in there and it's gonna, it's, it's going to go really badly, which is exactly what happened. Um, I would have liked for them to do something more with uh, Archer's feeling that he can't die.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: that that felt like it was going somewhere, and then it just didn't, mm-hmm. which seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, I like that Archer keeps making plans for itself this late into its run. Like, at the end, they're out as spies again, and Archer knows what they're going to do, but we don't know. But mm-hmm. obviously Adam Reed does. <laughs> I like that it's still got ambitions like that.
0: And I like that they didn't get scared off by the mixed reaction to season five. That they're like, nope, we're going to do something different again. And I, like the sunglasses thing made me think of CSI Miami, uh, which made me think of Vice, you know, their, their Vice season. But it also could be maybe they're headed to the danger zone. Maybe there's something completely new headed our way. But I did like that they're changing up the dynamic a little bit. And I like that we get so much discussion from Archer and Lana about how being a parent is affecting the way that they view the world. And that's been a thread throughout this season that I've really appreciated. Archer the character is changing because he's a father now. And he's still him. He's still very much Archer. It's not like all of a sudden he's, you know, Mr. Mr. Rogers or anything. But this, you know, having a kid who we occasionally see... Has affected their lives, because that's what having a kid does. And I like that the show, uh, I like how the show has handled that this year.
1: Yeah. Although strange that we never did see Seamus or Woodhouse.
0: Yeah. Next season?
1: Like, really weird. I guess Adam Reed must know what he's doing, Uh, but still strange. Although the stuff with Mallory and and AJ was amazing, like reliably amazing.
0: Yeah, pretty great. Uh, Let's move on, though, to our weekend genre. We're going to start things off with Outlander, which has been season premiere, The Reckoning, and um, as many people had sort of hinted at, we have some I think I feel like this is the word, the the situation the word was invented for problematic um, scenes (laughs) in this episode uh, with Jamie and, and Claire. And I want, I'm curious for you how that dynamic and the shift of perspective to follow him for the first time in the show's run, uh, you know, worked. Um, how do you think they handled? How do you think Ron Moore handled these scenes? Uh, I don't think that
1: this was material that that should have been elided or in any way uh, avoided. I think if you're gonna do this, uh, you know, modern woman ends up in these times, it's better that you not gloss over the fact. That things are gonna suck, um, and you're gonna have to deal with, uh, you know, s- societal and clan-related, uh, mores that are barbaric, and that don't seem to 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 gel with with with. In this case, the man she thinks she knows. Um, I mean, to me, like the 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 whole point of the show is that she. I mean, ha- having having not seen some of the early episodes, but. Uh, I'm I'm just going to go on a on a leap here. Uh, change happens when people are willing to bend people, and those people actually bend. Um, and that's that to me is is the Jamie Claire relationship. He perceives himself as a man, uh, hopefully ahead of his time, and she is literally a woman out of time who uh, can bring that out of him. And that's how progress happens. Uh, but it does. But it's never supposed to be easy. And uh, the show absolutely knows how horrible those. Um, what would you call that? Whipping? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's,
0: it's spousal abuse. That's what we call it now. Back then, yeah, it was fair enough. keeping
1: I, I'm just a woman to think in of line. The, I'm just trying to think of the specific term because it's too harsh for spanking. Um, yeah, but anyway, don't really know what to call that. Um, which is good, I guess. It's, uh, you know, the show is absolutely cognizant of how awful it is, and it it seems very much in control of its tone. You're supposed to be repulsed when you're repulsed, and you're supposed to still feel somewhat ill at ease with the whole thing when it's over.
0: I don't know. Uh, I think all that stuff... I don't know that I agree with you, because I think if... I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. And you know why I think that? Because of the score in that scene. It's all like, oh, they're chasing around the room, guys! It's wacky! I mean, it's like... Um And then and, then, and he, the way that Jamie, like, to him, this is a game and, like, foreplay, basically. And he's like, oh, I'm going to like this. Sexy times. Whereas she is frantic and, no, you piece of shit. I'm not going to let you beat me. And so, like, the two characters are in such completely different places. And the score, because, maybe because it's in his point of view, but the score is a comedy score in that scene. Mm-hmm. And that is what is particular it's like, embrace the the difficulty of the situation and in who these two people are in the show finally not letting Jamie just be this paragon of uh, accessibility to a modern woman you know like m- make him have these uh parts of who he is and how he grew up and all everything like embrace that and actually commit to it don't try to like make it not quite so bad because it's, he's doing funny. Oh, but I'm going to enjoy this because sexy times. I mean, I was frustrated to me
1: that the beat of him saying, Oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Like that makes sense to me in the sense of, uh, when we have that earlier scene of they're just freaking out at each other and he says horrible, horrible things and then recoils in horror at his own behavior. Um, I think that that's, that's very much a through line in this episode of, of when he's, when he's in the moment, he gets carried away and realizes uh, he actually does enjoy being a sadist, even if he doesn't, even if there's no historical precedent for what that word means yet. Um, I don't think it all happens in this episode. Uh, like, I don't think we get the process of him saying, "Oh, when I enjoyed that, that was bad because I was being a, a horrible human." Um, but it makes sense that he he has this side of himself that just that just takes over and the the, the barbarism just just takes hold. Uh, and you you're you're probably right that the scoring is not appropriate um but i didn't have a, 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 i didn't have any problem with that as like a character moment
0: see but it's when he says i'm going to enjoy this it's supposed to be playful it's not like he's finding this darker part of him of himself uh at all it's it's like you know it, 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 if she was consenting you know, or if it was like a role play that they were doing, that would be one thing. But she is not at all consenting and she's being hit by this man. And he is co- so completely unaware of it that to him it's like a joke that she's struggling to get away from him. And the show treats it like it's a joke. And that's, that's where I have an issue with it. Like, I totally buy the character moment. I totally buy all of that. But the tone of the way it's shot for me is completely out of touch of where either of the characters are you know are supposed to be at and yeah i just i i still i think that they did for most of the episode like that fight you talk about i think it's fantastic so well shot so well acted such a great sense of uh balance with these two characters um and letting you see both of their points of view but that scene i think they try to back away from the darker sides of it a little too much.
1: You know what would be amazing, though, would be if next week we get it again from her perspective, <laughs> since mm-hmm. we, have, we we do have at, you know, events in this, like we we see his point of view while she's with Randall, and then his point of view of the raid. Um, I could see them easily doing a retake of that next week from, from her point of view. At least I, I hope that that, that that will happen. But then again, we get plot this week, and I really 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 don't care about uh the lady that jamie was promised to uh and will apparently be making trouble i negative care about that Mm -hmm. um and i also sorry i negative care about uh the clan politics and the many many scenes like the 40 minutes of this episode that involve uh working all that out i i find that deadly boring
0: yeah we don't care about that which is why we have just spent all of our segment on this show talking about two scenes rather with jamie and claire rather than the rest of the episode because the rest of the episode uh, is fine it's not bad it's just we don't care about it so uh, that's where i'm at with this episode do you have any other thoughts on outlander or shall we move on
1: uh no continues to be utterly unlike anything else on tv for good and ill
0: yes yes Very glad that it's back though. It's nice to see that perspective back, and just this kind of like you said, there's nothing else like it on TV right now. So it's it's nice to have that voice back in in the rotation. Next up, uh, in genre is The Flash Tricksters, which I wanted to mention for two things. First of all, because Mark Hamill is awesome, and it was so much fun, and they did not under they did not oversell his his return to the world of the Flash, playing the same character he played in the previous '90s version of the TV show. Delightful, absolutely delightful. And they gave him, uh, I am your father, as a line of dialogue. And it was terrible, but it was also amazing. And uh, well done threading that needle, The Flash. Uh, The other thing I have to mention is how horribly sexist the ending of the episode is when you have the three main male characters all scheming about how they're going to manipulate and control the one woman, main central female figure in their lives. And uh, they have the opportunity to have, you know, her boyfriend that she lives with Uh, say, no, I respect this woman that I love. I think that I can, you know, trust her judgment and not just feel the need to shelter and protect her like a child because, you know, I love her. Um, And instead they, you know, continue to manipulate her and uh, leave her out of the loop and fall prey to just all the terrible things that they were doing at the beginning of the season with that Irish character that they got away from. It was very frustrating. And even more icing on top of that cake She leaves the scene so that they can talk about her when she's gone to cook them dinner. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Dinner will be up in a few, she says, as she walks into the kitchen to make dinner for the men in her life. So,
1: wow. Do you think that this offended you a little extra because you happened to cook a giant dinner this week?
0: No, I love cooking. I would. Okay. No, it's because I wasn't saying
1: you shouldn't be offended. Yeah. I just thought maybe it would be worse. Oh
0: no, no, but it's just like because it's so cliche. It's like you could have her do anything. You could have her. Oh, you know, what? I've got this. I forgot I need to touch. You know, I got this deadline I need to send in, or, um, or or if, even if if uh, like they, she said, okay, let me go. I'll go pick up some food. I'll go pick up some takeout, or I'll go order something like that. But no. She goes to make them dinner. There's and anything they could have done. The lack of awareness in that moment. When they're so aware about all these wonderful uh, Mark Hamill references and jokes throughout, they can't be aware of like just the most basic tenets of, of gender role sexism on TV. I mean, come on. <laughs> you, can, you can write a character out of the scene in any number of ways. Wow, guys. I'm sure I, was, I, I didn't see anybody else keying into this. I don't know if anybody else did, but it pissed me off. Um, What didn't piss me off uh, was Fortitude this week, episode 11. Um, And I say that because as I was watching this, uh, I had a very distinct progression because I started out (laughs) with, again, similarly, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Excuse my language, listeners. I apologize. I'll try to keep the swearing to -to 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 a minimum after this. Because they decided to... Introduce a rape subplot. Uh, and th- I was very, very upset. By the end of the episode, for a number of reasons, I was less upset. And I was also distracted by that ending, because holy shit. And that I was frantically looking for people that I know who had screener access, of which there are like two of you. And, Simon, you are one of them, but you hadn't seen it yet. So, um, yeah. Well, did you have a similar progression with this episode?
1: Honestly, as soon as you said to me they did something I was not okay with in the first bit, I immediately knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, or pretty close, and I was right uh, in terms of the Elena in character. Um, I thought that the actual execution of said subplot in terms of filming uh was was good uh in the sense that i I didn't feel uh unduly titillating or anything like that and also elena gave pretty good Mm. uh to 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 said dude knife spine spine knifed (laughs) that is a that is a place you do not want to get knifed right at the top of your spine although it didn't seem to deter him that much um yeah so that was i mean the in terms of execution it was it was fine uh it was nice that it was a rape free zone for 11 episodes or ten episodes, it was not great when it came up, but I mean it wasn't, you know, as we said at, at, when we started our Fortitude coverage, there are so many, there are so few sources of potential conflict in a place like Fortitude, so it, it kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion, if you really thought about it, that there would be something like that uh, especially given Dan's general intensity towards uh, towards Elena and that plot
0: Yeah, um, there was
1: really d- only so many things that would make sense
0: they didn't need to make her rape all about him though and his reaction to it rather than you know her and her trauma
1: that's true um in a in a in a very real sense he seems to be more traumatized by it than she is much more um which uh is troubling (laughs) but uh there's so much other stuff going on thankfully that we that you know there's we can focus on that instead uh the the amping of the horror elements i think works really well wasn't super fond honestly of the um the effect of the swarm of of, of things coming out of person was that the, uh, now remind me the lady in the hospital bed was what's her name's That's mom the
0: doctor shirley's mom yeah dr shirley's Alice. mom
1: right um yes good you're up on the names um yeah the, the whole thing with the with the swarm of locusts or whatever you want to call them uh, coming out of her mouth i felt like i'd seen it before um, so it was less creepy to me. The actual, uh, the effects of them coming out of her skin and stuff were great, though. Uh, I was gonna very... say,
0: yeah, Swarm is one thing, but, I mean, holy crap. The all yeah. oh, hatching yeah, out of
1: the, the skin. The practical effects were wonderful. The CGI, not so much. Um, I don't see any possible way for, um, for, what's his name, Penny Dreadful Guy, to survive this now. I just don't see that happening. Um... But, yeah. Oh, by the way, they killed the Tooch. Should we talk about that?
0: They killed the Tooch! I, of course, like, the instant after we finish recording and get the podcast gets up, when as soon as they have some <laughs> free time, I go to watch the screen, and I'm like, well then, never mind. I was totally wrong. Uh, I was very surprised that they brought him back for one line of dialogue. Yep. Maybe two in this episode? Um, yeah. Why do you think they did?
1: Because you leave the last episode wondering if he'll live or not, and they get an extra week of suspense out of it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, why not just have him be dead when Dan gets there?
1: Oh, because it's way more fun to have him almost learn the truth and then not learn the truth <laughs> right as he's dying, because that's just an extra layer of of horrible irony. Um, I was actually beginning to think that Tucci might not be human, because that's where my brain goes when I'm watching Fortitude, and I think... Yeah, we saw his one cohort, but do we really know he's from DC? That he's that he's like a real DCI? Are they really sending people to Fortitude, or is he an alien? Which I suppose technically he could still be, but there's still two more weeks or two more episodes. I g- I gather they're both airing next week. But uh, yeah, I mean that was surprising. I still, I still don't really understand if this is a series or a mini series, which. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I still, there's still a lot I don't understand about Fortitude, but uh, I know that I'm still enjoying it, and it's still, it's, it's, it's got a certain fleece all to it that most other shows don't have.
0: Well, I think I need um, the surprise of killing off the Tooch. I think works very well. However, I'm gonna need them there to have been a reason that we spent all that time with the Tooch throughout the season. <laughs>
1: really? The smirking and the general amusement wasn't enough?
0: obviously that's delightful. Do not get me wrong. I had a lot of fun with it. But if we get to the end of the season here and there's literally... He was only there to say, like, two lines of dialogue that get Dan thinking. And that's it? I mean, Because I I, I do think that Dan character works a lot better when he has someone like the Morton character to bounce off of. Um, And he's so dour by himself or so internal that... They're running out of characters that he can interact with. Um, and I worry about the balance, I guess, because it's a very delicate balance on this show between all these different elements that they're playing with. I worry about the balance getting thrown off now that Morton is out of the picture.
1: Well, they only they, they only need to balance for another 80 minutes or so. Touche. Very it's, true. And it's going to get real cray. If <laughs> if it's this cray now, they got 80 more minutes to wrap it up. And it's we haven't even seen Ronnie zombie guy for like 3 weeks.
0: Yeah, well beyond that like single grody shot of him. Yeah. Um yes. So any other thoughts on Fortitude or shall we save the rest for our uh, our, our our conversation on the theoretical finale next week?
1: Oh, I think we should save it. It's it's going to be it's going to be fun. Okay, well
0: tell. Simon, then what would, what wins your week in comedy and genre? Ooh.
1: Uh for comedy, uh for stuff that's actually aired I'll give it to Archer, um, and for uh, for genre, I'll I'll give it to Fortitude.
0: Um, for comedy stuff that aired this week, I think I'd give it to Children's with a nod, tip of the hat to Archer and Fresh Off the books I did enjoy them both as well. And as for genre, uh, I'll give it to Fortitude. There's good stuff, you know, interesting things going on outlined this week, but uh, I'll give, I'm, I'm gonna give it to Fortitude. Um now we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama. Mm-hmm. In drama, we're gonna talk about the Mad Men premiere severance. Um I next week I'll be talking about Odyssey American Odyssey, which had its pilot this week, but I haven't had a chance to watch it as we record, so to be continued next week about that. As well as Better Call Saul, Justified the Americans, and the Good Wife. So first off, Mad Men had its premiere uh Severance.
1: What did you think? So nice to have Mad Men back. Um the the, the thing, I don't know how I forgot this. But I think the thing that I that I forgot that I was missing the most was uh, John Ham's incredible almost cry face. Uh, I I've forgotten how good he is at that and how he just suckers you in with that every time, no matter how much of a uh, of of a general cad he's being. Um, general cad. Uh, I, I thought this was mostly a, a very strong premiere. Um, they are. It seems like they are doing. Uh, sort of what you would expect from a long-running series like this with a lot of characters and a deep bench to do, which is uh tying up loose ends. Like the, this is basically the Kenny episode, um for for you know a large part of its runtime. And I can't imagine that after this we're going to be seeing a whole lot of Kenny. And I think we'll probably get more of that. We really, really need a Stan episode. If they're doing that, by the way.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, I would be, actually, I would be surprised if we didn't see quite a bit of Ken, because it seems like that's what they set up at the end of the episode. It's just going to be screwing with the the team um, for a while, at least. I loved how much Joan we got here, and also Peggy. I didn't buy their elevator confrontation, like, at all. It seems... I can see them. They felt very true to their points of view. However, they've been so much more supportive of each other over the year that all of a sudden they are just like at each other's throats did not make any sense. But uh, Jones, I'm going to burn this place down was fabulous.
1: I don't know. I mean, it didn't seem like uh, we have this rift now that will never be healed. It's more like we were just in this room together for this horrible, horrible, horrible meeting. And I got the brunt of it, and you got nothing. And it's the the gap of experience there. I think it ma- it makes sense that in that moment, uh, they're going to be at odds.
0: I guess. I just would like there to be more consistency with their relationship, because it seems to go back and forth a lot. And given where it, they came from, where Joan was such a bitch to Peggy at first, I mean, I can see that. But um, anyways, I, it was... I'm quibbling here because I'm just glad that they got scenes together at all. This it, The premiere felt a bit odd to me because at certain parts it felt like, is this Mad Men or is this a parody of Mad Men? It, it, was, it was a little off-putting to me, and I don't know if it's just because it's been so long since I watched any. Did you get any of that or is that just me?
1: Oh, well, there's all kinds of meta-humor. All over this episode, I mean there's not just the opening, but it's at some point a character even says, why why to, to Kenny like why would you write about this? This is so boring um, or uh yeah, obviously the the uh, the opening as well as when we when we get Elizabeth Reeser showing up and Don's like, haven't I seen you before and we're all scanning our brains to think, has Elizabeth Reeser been on this show before? there's been so many women. And that to me is like a serious undercurrent of this episode. Of at a certain point, is how many like how many conquests can your brain really hold? <laughs> like at at what point does it just start to get surreal and scary? And mm-hmm. to, to me, like that episode kind of contains that that tipping point. And I had to check IMDb, and and no, Elizabeth Reeser has not been on Mad Men before. Um, so I don't know. I I really dug that element. Uh, there was an uh, there was sort of this this strain of paranoia and and sadness going through the whole thing. I mean, especially with the, with the addition of, uh, the, the apparition of Maggie Sif showing up as reach. And I also like, I, I remember so little of, of the, of the Rachel Macon storyline, uh, that I, I think that could have worked better for me if, uh, if there'd been a previously on, but that obviously was not their style. Instead, we got a dedication to Mike Nichols. I'd like to know what that was about. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know all that, all that stuff really worked for me.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It, and it, for me, it's not about the show being funny. The show, like that line from Pete was delightful. Um, but no, I just, I, the, I guess for me, that that opening scene with Don trying to like seduce the, the model. I mean, I don't know. I guess some people thought that they were alone. I did not from for a moment think that that was a thing that was actually happening. Um, so I just, I, I, the opening scene for me just was very much like, okay, can we just like stop being the over the top parody of what the show is and just go back into the relaxed wonderfulness that is that is Mad Men? Why, like, why are we watching this? Is sort of how I felt about that opening. But um, I guess for many people, it was a statement on the Don Draperness of Don Draper. Um, and hey, other people liked it. Sure. Let's instead talk about uh, Brian Krakow.
1: Yeah, Krakow, that guy's everywhere now for some reason.
0: I loved watching Twitter, like, explode, and even more, <laughs> I loved watching Ryan McGee on Twitter, friend of the show, Ryan McGee, not know who Brian Krakow is and be totally flummoxed by Twitter exploding. It was delightful.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I didn't spot that, but that is uh, that is amusing. I'm trying to think of other things to, uh, to, to mention about this episode. I mean, we did get a lot of Peggy as well, Peggy and her horrible, horrible love life. Mm-hmm. Oh, Peggy.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, there's gonna be, I'm sure, a lot coming this year. We got no Betty. We got no Sally. We got no uh, Megan. There's like, I'm sure there'll be quite a bit um, of them as the season continues. But, but no, I was, I was very glad with what we got here. Like you said, the, I, I think it was so, so great to bring back Ra- Rachel. I, I remember that character more than you do. It sounds like, and I enjoyed her a lot on the show. So I think that's such a, a good full circle way to go with with this last season what feels like a last season of of Mad Men and um like even just callbacks like to the to Megan you know cleaning in her underwear and we have this this new uh I guess booty call uh who spills wine and is down on her hands and knees on the carpet in underwear um but immediately that goes another way like I thought that there were some really interesting callbacks other key points in the season or the series I should say Um, And so I like that sense of awareness of the end and how that continues through the season. We'll we'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, I I was I was totally pleased with it. I'm I I will just mention that there were so many, so many, so many think pieces out this week. I read none of them because it just got to be too much. I am fascinated, though, that the end of Mad Men to me means uh, because of when it started and when it's ending, uh, it's the end of the consensus greatness drama I think um, there's lots of shows that everyone who watches them agree is good, but, or even great, but not everyone watches them for one reason or another, because there's just too much. And that's only going to get worse and worse. And we'll continue to explode our brains and make us cry Um, from here on out. It's all going to be critics yelling at each other that they're not watching the right things.
0: Yep. Which is already happening. And we always, we already do that to our, our, yeah. our friends, our fellow. Critics. And it's
1: great. I I think it's good news.
0: But yeah, no, it's, this is going to be the last experience like this for quite a while where all of Twitter is watching. Everybody's been talking about it for a a full week. Everybody's been writing articles. That's not going to happen again for quite a while. Let's talk about a ridiculously good episode of Better Call Saul. Um, But was this a ridiculously good overall episode or was this just a crazy powerful last scene?
1: Uh, It was both. It was a really, I mean, there was great stuff all throughout. Basically every Mike scene was great. Um, his whole subplot was extremely Breaking Bad, y, uh, but that's good because Breaking Bad was a good show. I'll remind you. Um, I mean the whole the whole thing with him and the, and the and the two other potential henchmen was, as soon as they came up with it, I'm sure they knew like okay, if nothing else, we've got that scene in the bag. Um, just you know, they know that they can rely on that. The uh, but of course, all anyone is gonna ever want to talk about is gonna be the showdown between uh, Jimmy and his brother. I don't know if uh, if Odenkirk's going to be getting the props that he deserves, but if he does and he gets an Emmy nod, we now know what's in the reel. Like, it's going to be that, obviously, because uh, that was just utterly that was just totally amazing.
0: Absolutely. It was so good. And and again, watching how that informs the character of Jimmy and moves a step towards Saul is really interesting. And again just the the way this show has been so confident in this first season because this team knows each other so well and can work together so well um the the visual language of the, like sitting in the chair and of course for us breaking bad fans that is reminiscent of so many moments in breaking bad where you had Walt or another character like sitting like that in a chair um so that that's another little fun connection to make between the two shows but yeah it really does just come down for me I I liked the whole episode. You are right, everything with Mike was great, and I really liked what we got with Kim. Um, even you know the stuff we got with Hamlin. I, I really liked this whole this whole episode. But watching watching Jimmy and his brother just to come down to e- ego and an inability to escape who, how you are perceived and who you are to that person who you were. You know, I I think it, it for me it connects quite a bit to the, the pet themes of Justified.
1: Uh, yeah. It also connects a lot to, I feel like the, the gray matter uh, yeah. backstory to, uh, to Breaking Bad where, you know, the, uh, it, it's not the same, but it's certainly similar the way that uh, Walt just uh, didn't, couldn't find himself in that inner circle uh, in the way that he wanted, because of some uh, base conflict, In in Walt's case, it was you know not. It, in Walt's cases,
0: of, they don't appreciate my genius.
1: Right. It was, and my it girlfriend was more a, broke up with me. It was a character flaw in his case, whereas in uh for Jimmy, in anything, if anything, it's more tragic because it's more about elitism. It's more about well, he didn't get, he didn't, you know, he didn't go, he didn't take the proper channels. He didn't go to an Ivy League school you know he was a screw up for too long and it doesn't matter what you did after that because uh you know the you're, you are screwed from that forever and mm-hmm. you know you doesn't doesn't matter how hard you work in 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 that sense they're both you know sort of takes on the american dream and its inaccessibility an um but they're about very different routes to that and um I, again every week i find myself wondering what is the series timeline when does he become Saul And when do we make that leap into what he does next? Because to me, like when they, the day that they make, like the show's doing amazing stuff right now, but the day it makes that leap, if it does, uh, after Breaking Bad, it's going to blow. I think that is just going to blow minds. I think it's, it could do, it could do incredible things.
0: Yeah. And there's still a lot of story to tell before they do that. I think like, I absolutely agree if they do that, when they do that, it's going to be awesome. However, I'm not ready to say goodbye to Kim yet, so no. I don't want them to do it yet. Uh, we only have one more episode left. Do you anticipate something like that, like back and forth, jumping in this finale, or do you think it'd be a really straightforward finale?
1: There's no way in hell it's just going to be a straightforward finale. No, right hand to the deity of your choice, they will do something, even if it's only a nod, even if it's only like a little hint, they will do something akin to what they did in the pilot with that black and white Alexander Payne style flash forward. It it may not be that much, but it'll be something for sure.
0: Intriguing. Um yeah, I will well, I hope they do. You know, I would be surprised if they didn't, I guess, but there's also again, there's so much rich storytelling that they've developed so it's such a great world they've developed uh, so I d- I wouldn't anticipate it to be permanent, let's say. I don't expect them to jump no. forward in any you know, lasting way in this finale, I will say connecting to Grey Matter and these, these Breaking Bad themes and ideas, I think the big difference is here, you get the sense, and I think that's why Kim is such an important figure, that when she says he's a really good lawyer about Jimmy, you know she's smart, and you believe her, and her validating it's not just that he's lucky, it's not just that he's personal, he's, also, he's really, he's found something he's very good at. Um, and I think when she says that, and when we get the reveal of what's happened, you get the sense that even Hamlin would give it to him. It really mm-hmm. just comes down to his dick of a brother who can't get over himself and can't get over the sense of you know, having saved and uh, the screw up brother that he's had to drag along. He just can't handle that screw up brother catching up. Um, yeah, I think. That is you know and and there's also i think there's many similarities you could draw between that the the between uh the Michael McKeon character and but- and Walt as well that you can't accept that like Jesse even Jesse develops and is becoming a very good cook on his own like he can't handle it um and i so i I just i love that there are these themes there if you want to explore it if you want to dive into it they're there but if you don't if you haven't seen breaking bad it still is incredibly powerful television
1: yep i agree uh it is absolutely it is pleasantly utterly surpassed any any expectations i had for it
0: absolutely um let's move on to our next show though justified fugitive number one uh how they how they handled the twist from last week
1: um i mean as well as can be expected they were gonna kill boyd come on like this wasn't gonna happen um let's see good things from this week uh obviously we need to talk about the showdown in the winnebago mm-hmm. or the winnebago if you'd like to call it that you must have thoughts on Packable's canon
0: yeah i do um <laughs> oh no I do. And I'll preface this by saying I'm one of the few classical musicians I know who actually likes Paganini Pog- Canada and enjoys playing it. Uh, to to make Mikey a classical music fan who is underappreciated and um, who is un- not respected and never gets to, to choose. he He wants to be listening to classical music. I thought that was such an interesting note to give that character, shading to give that character. And then you have His music that he's putting on is Pachelbel's canon so that it undermines that entirely. It's like, I like the Muzak of classical music, but then does that fit with who Mike is? But then why make that? I'm so torn about this. I've spent way more time thinking about this than I think most people.
1: Here's the thing. And and I think this may help you uh, again. I always read the postmortems, and they specifically talked about the, about um, FX were not huge fans of uh, of, of that music cue, and um, they were just like, "Really?" But they had the exact same like, "Really, you're gonna do that?" And their feeling was that Mikey uh, is the sort of guy who's who is gonna go for for the Muzaki stuff. He's like he's gonna go for what's coming. He's not gonna get into uh, anything too dissonant. He's he's just gonna want something. Uh, different from his surroundings. This is the only time we've ever heard classical music unjustified, to my recollection, like ever, uh, and it sticks out immediately. And yeah. uh, so, I, in um, in that sense, and also, Mikey's not that bright. Like he, you don't get the sense that he's ever going to want to listen to anything challenging. So I'll
0: just um something different than what's around him. Uh, for those who haven't sought out, you don't know the Pocket Bell Canon rant you know the cakewalk canon stand up uh oh, comedy yes, cello yes. rant yeah cakewalk canon the the changes for cakewalk are everywhere it's a very common progression so this notion that cakewalk canon is like a different thing that he likes uh,
1: no i mean like different from the from the country and the hip hop and oh, the things okay. that are normally so now- on not melodically different. than different. the
0: soundtrack. Yeah. Not different than the music he would be hearing in the world. Because everybody has heard no, 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 no. Canon. I mean, That is not an g- uncommon piece.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, there's a meta level of, I want to hear something different than the stuff that's always on the show. And it's okay. literally the only time we've heard classical in any way. I don't mean yeah. different, obviously, melodically.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to be into particular. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting he's listening to Schoenberg. <laughs> Let's just exactly.
1: say. Um, uh Yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so they did, so for what it's worth, it is something they thought about. It's something mm-hmm. they put some thought into and yeah. had to argue for. Uh, I would expect so, nothing
0: less from the so, music people there. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, so you so you weren't the only one thinking about it. But as for the actual sequence itself, um, I thought that was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I, I the, didn't see last week coming. I even less saw them killing Catherine.
1: Uh yeah, that's just not. And also the way that Mikey took, like, seven shots or something <laughs> and just kept going, and the blood pouring through the hole in the table, and Wins look at her, and then Mikey asking to be held, which was somehow both touching and hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that, that that should not have worked, but I, I think that's down to the actor and several other things uh, happening in the right way. Um, let's see. Also... No one else really commented on this, but I really thought that the, the shot of um, of uh, grooves on the floor was really nasty and really worked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That got an ah out of me. Uh, perhaps because it could be because I just watched Fortitude um, mm. and I was I, I was attuned to that. Also, it works, again, on a meta level because I was thinking, who are they going to cast for that? Because they've only got a couple episodes left. Uh, and I thought, which Deadwood alum is... It? Oh, never mind. <laughs>
0: What about this this notion of the the office thinking that he's that that Raylan's in on the scheme?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it's just a way for him to go off the grid uh, for these last mm-hmm. couple episodes, and then probably lose his job is what I think is what I'm thinking is going to happen. Um, and so far, my predictions have been pretty good, I must say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to see Vasquez also blow go off the handle like he used to, as opposed to like middling uh, middle middle of show character. Uh, we didn't we got hardly any Ava this week, which was fine um and uh we got Boyd putting on a cop- a cop costume and blowing Earl away, so we're just getting rid of characters left and right this week
0: pretty much uh I kind of you know I kind of wish they would have just killed Boyd, like I would love the balls of that on this show, and I feel like because it just feels so preordained that there's going to be at least one more showdown with Raylan and Boyd and they're going to talk at each other a bunch. And the, like that, I just feel sort of tiresome in a way uh, as much as I know I will enjoy it when that happens. <laughs> um, so I kind of would have loved if the show had done, no, that's not what this is at this point. We, the show's about other stuff at this, you know, by now and Raylan's moved beyond Boyd. That's why he's leaving. Um, but, Oh, well, if they're not going to do that, it's certainly going to be fun when they give us what we expect and what we are waiting for.
1: Yeah. Oh, also loved the stone cold silence in that standoff between Boone and Raylan. Yeah. That was fantastic. It was good.
0: And the hat looks good. Rin's right.
1: I, I couldn't, I didn't like the hat, to be honest. I didn't think it was a good fit. Don't, don't think he's got a hat head.
0: So do you have any final thoughts on Justified Fugitive number one?
1: Uh, just quickly, I wanted to mention, I I really like the, the little thread of Raylan giving bad news to people he doesn't like, um, which had some interesting dynamics. I like that when he finds out that Markham doesn't know about Catherine, he actually does have this beat of, oh shit, this is really bad. I'm going to tell you this like a person. And then a second later, I'm going to be Raylan and rub it in your face a little bit this is all your fault, because I can't not.
0: Yeah, yep, that was a nice moment, uh, followed by a very dickishly Ray- Raylan moment, um, yeah, the, the, I, I think, I you know, that character, that marking character has been just such a complete success for the show this season. And, um, I mean, Sam Elliott's been wonderful, but even more than just Sam Elliott's performance has been the writing and the use of that character. It's such a 180 yeah. from the way that uh, the the Crows were mis, miswritten, I would say, last yeah. year.
1: I, I think that Sam Elliott's reaction shot when he finds out about that and then all of his dreams are crushed in one horrible instant... That totally, if anyone had any concerns about why they shaved off Sam Elliott's mustache or didn't, or actually it was a coincidence, but the, 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 the fact of him not having a mustache, I think is totally justified <clears throat> uh, in, in that one shot.
0: Oh, uh, fair enough. I'll talk about dreams being crushed. Let's move on to the Americans and stingers. I've been talking about the Americans this season in terms of this is the Martha episode. This is the fill in the blank episode and this is the page finds out episode i don't think i expected it to come in the middle of the season with so little fanfare and um with so little immediate consequences how how did you how do you feel they handled this uh
1: well so little immediate consequences to me makes perfect sense uh because that's uh you know when when we had martha finding out she, you know it there was no explosion there's just Quiet implosion, if anything, and that's very much what the show does. And uh, I think, uh, to me, what's what's one of the things that is most quietly amazing about this show is uh, they locked out so hard with their casting of the kids. Uh, they could not have known; there is no way of knowing uh, what what depths they'd have, and the way they're both used in this episode is brilliant. Um, Kedric Salati as uh, as henry hasn't gotten anywhere near as much as as Pace to do but, but man him coming in and busting out an eddie murphy impression with like absolutely the worst possible line in the worst possible way just to have every, everyone around him just do everything they can not to cringe if they're even noticing i loved that so much um, and I, I I, that that made me more optimistic about the future of, of that character's depiction on the, sh- on the show than anything else has so far. Well, I love that contrast.
0: It's so perfect for the character's age and for what's going on, in, like his pop culture awareness. And like and that's an amazing sketch from SNL, too. It's like one of the all time great sketches, too. So him being so excited about that feels so genuine, um, let alone the un- lack of awareness that maybe you shouldn't be saying this stuff uh, also so age appropriate i mean i it's just nice to see him get a little bit more specificity of you know his pop culture sensibilities i feel like we have a better sense of page with that than we do with with henry other than he likes football and games and
1: and mrs beeman yeah and mrs beeman yeah <laughs> uh
0: but but how about um that last scene it really feels like they and knowing that the show's been renewed for another season, but they didn't say it was the final season, that has me curious.
1: I'm assuming they're going with a five-season arc because that's what they've said.
0: Yes, um, but how can you know? We have Henry getting closer to Stan, and I do, I do think because they keep bringing back up that image that of the of Mrs. Beeman with Henry. I think something is gonna. Happen with Henry. I feel like they're like misleading it. Who knows? But I feel like they're like misleading us with, oh, it's all about Paige, it's all about Paige, and then we're going to get a, a surprise at left field with Henry. Um, but that last scene with Paige looking at her parents in this new and just kind of terrified or terrible way, like this is their only friends with Stan because of his job. um I feel like that's pushing us to a point of no return with their characters. I don't know.
1: Uh, I don't know. I I have no difficulty imagining how they could get five instead of four seasons. Um, but that's that's beside the point. Uh, to get to get back to this episode and specifically to get back to the kids, uh, Holly Taylor does an amazing job in this episode. And uh, there's no, there's no roadmap to writing this episode. There's no like, what do you? There's like. What are the what are the standard plot beats for a teenage girl finds out her entire life is a lie and her parents are not what they've said at all, and uh and she can't tell anyone about it. There is no roadmap for that. This is not ch- really charted plot territory. Um, and I love that it all happens out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere. Uh, has always had concerns, but the fact that it's just now that she's decided. I have to talk to you, you were going to tell me and they decide not to bullshitter. Um, they just they they just give the nod and it's over and in that moment they're finally unified again uh, and that's just how it happens and I love that it's so uh, I, I don't want to say graceful, but it, it they just kind of fall into it and now this is the new status quo and mm-hmm. there's no big build and there's no big explosion.
0: And to see them functioning as parents, trying their best to protect her, as they tell her this thing that they know will crush her, um, her understanding of the world, and and this bubble that they've you know allowed her to grow up in. Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful moment for both Elizabeth and Philip as as parents, getting to see them try their best to put her first in this conversation, and knowing that they are being significantly pressured to not put her first at all by their uh, their handlers and, and the KGB is um a nice little layer of irony on top of that so um and maybe that's a misuse of the term i need to think about it more i'm just going to go with it um it's it, yeah and, and and seeing that storyline first of all spurred by her rather than them makes complete sense. And then also to then reintroduce uh, the Kimmy. Is that Kimmy? Yeah. Arc here, I think makes sense, but in a way that is um, the, not particularly explicit not as, as fraught as it has been, I think makes sense. As well as we just get a little less time with everybody else. Um, we also get our reveal that in that Stan is right. And the double agent is really a triple agent.
1: Yeah, that's right. I I don't know how I feel about that yet. Um, I kind of liked the idea that he was just completely wrong mm-hmm. and going down a blind alley, but this could work, and I I think that it adds an interesting layer to that performance uh, that I hadn't really considered. Um, I I I'm reserving judgment on that because I feel like that's going to have to tie back to Nina somehow. Yeah. Um, and and again, we I think we we had like one scene with Nina this week. Uh, and that was really all we needed
0: yeah yeah well and with such significant uh, developments happening on the home front it just it would be odd to spend more time with these different subplots I mean by far like the time needed to be and the focus needs to be with Paige and um, so yeah I think it was a it was a good episode but one that makes me even more excited for what's coming next so it's not for me this isn't like oh this is the game changing episode it's um this is the episode that lets you know that the game changer is coming
1: yeah well the game's been changed there's gonna be more game changing the game is always changing you're yes you are not prepared i yeah i i what however they follow this up i am uh i am on tender hooks as they say as no one says actually
0: (laughs) well how about the good wife losers edit um how is this are are you in tender hooks for for what's coming next here
1: uh we're gonna keep this brief because everything else has taken up time um uh No, this is th- probably the first uh section of The Good Wife in a very long time where it feels like they're ticking off plot and character boxes. And I'm not even sure why. <laughs> it doesn't feel like there is a compelling direction or a compelling lack of direction, if that makes any sense. There's no compelling chaos. I don't really care what What happens with Alicia and the campaign and sorry, and her and her state's attorneyhood? if she ends up getting it stripped of it somehow, I don't care if she keeps it. I don't care. That's a problem. Uh, I don't partic- particularly care about uh, Kalinda and her like I know that they're gonna they're gonna get rid of her. It seems like that they're gonna do it in a way where she self sacrifices so that nothing goes back on Diane. Um, I don't particularly care about Diane's adventures with Oliver Platt, um, especially because they seem to be quite repetitive and nonsensical. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's not hooking me these days.
0: Yeah, the the stuff we get with Kalinda, um, I think that worked very well, if only because it's nice to see Kalinda interact with someone that she's not trying to manipulate sexually. Um, that's such <laughs> a rare thing for her. Um, I, I think it was very wise to introduce a new Kalinda dynamic with, like, give her somebody else she can talk to, since apparently she can't talk to the main cast, um, most of the main cast. Um, but, so that, that worked, and it's another way, it's also a new way to use Finn, which I think is good. Um, as for, as for Alicia, I just don't care about this journey of hers into becoming Peter, which is basically been what they've been doing the last several like every every time she, they give her a moral quandary she feels bad about it and, and says she needs to do the right thing and then doesn't do it and that's happened several times over the course of the season to the point where I don't believe her for a moment when she says she needs to do the right thing because um, I know she's gonna allow herself to be talked out of it and um yeah there's no mystery there's no question there's no there's no there's nothing of narrative interest to me with how they've been handling this progression for her and um so yeah and and because we didn't care about the election in the first place we really don't care about you know if it gets taken away so that i would say is a failure in the season to to really like, it's just this whole state's attorneys thing could have been really interesting and they have failed to to really sell it like they've sold so many other developments on the show. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I love watching The Good Wife. I still really enjoyed the show, but there's nothing for me to talk about in this episode. And that is incredibly disappointing.
1: Yeah, I'll quickly add that it was great to see Lily Rabe, but I thought that her character, the way her character was written was all over the place um sometimes he was really cunning and other times he seemed to be a total idiot um also really really depressing to see Frankie Alvarez in a nothing part as the editor
0: yeah yep but uh other uh, you know on the good wife they bring in people that we like for every for every role maybe that maybe they'll give him more to play at a certain point but um let let's wrap up our week in TV here what wins your week in drama
1: Oh, it's really tough between Americans and Better Call Saul. Those are those are the players. <sighs> Balls. I'm gonna have to give it to the Americans. The Americans' war goes to the Americans with a special special mention for Better Call Saul.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Better Call Saul. Um, really been enjoying this season and I'm going to be sad to see it go next week um, a few show notes here you, uh, you can find a post up for this episode at soundonsite.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV you can like us on Facebook to follow the goings on, Sound on TV, and we've gotten some comments at Facebook thank you so much uh, so let's keep the conversation going you can also email us televerse at gmail.com and we are up in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed uh, we would appreciate any ratings or reviews you guys can leave for us there because it does help other people find the show. and it's been a while so yeah maybe a new rating review would be nice Um, you can also find us up on Twitter I am at the television Simon you are
1: at sucker howl and what is our question of the week Twin Peaks is back or not Uh, the Muppet show is back coach is back full house is back everything is back Uh, what do you really never want to see back what is just a line too far of just seriously guys you must stop if full house isn't already that
0: Oh, well, I mean, I can think of a lot of shows, but you mean older shows, right? Because, like, Two and a Half Men just ended. Anger Management ended. I mean, like, there's there's plenty of shows that I f- find gross and terrible and, like, they make our society worse that have gone off the air.
1: <laughs> Let's say at least five years. I
0: have trouble with this because I don't remember the bad shows. Like, I don't waste any mental energy on them. It's- uh, what, what about for you, Simon?
1: Uh, any sort of 90s sitcom ephemera, uh, such as Full House. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's already a bad idea. Um, someday, when all of their careers are not what they are now, um, to uh, to the same extent, someone is going to pitch Friends. It's going to happen. And I really, really, really hope it doesn't, because I don't ever need to think about Friends again.
0: Yep, yeah, fair enough. Um, they're plenty that stream to mind This, yeah, I don't think it would be good, but not as, this cannot happen. Um, so let us know, listeners, what what you have to say about that.
1: Not necessarily this cannot happen, but just you will shrug with disgust if it does, uh, as a sign of this has gone too far. Arguably, it's already gone too I mean, far.
0: I would like coach, right? That already feels like, <laughs> why is this a thing? But... right. Who knows? Like
1: who's the boss is back. Why? Cuz we can. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's all I got.
0: Fair enough. Okay, well, uh I look forward to our listeners' thoughts. But now we're going to take a break and we'll come back with Jennifer Armstrong uh to talk about Seinfeld. So we'll be right back after this. What's the matter? My mother caught me. <laughs> caught you doing what? You know. <laughs> I was alone. You mean? Uh-huh. She got you? Where? I stopped by the house to drop the car off, yeah. and I went inside for a few minutes. Oh. Nobody was there. They're supposed to be working. My mother had a glamour magazine. I started reading. it. Glamour? So one thing led to another. So what did she do? First she screams, George, what are you doing? My God! Then <laughs> it looked like she was going to faint. She started clutching the wall, trying to hang on to it. Yeah. I didn't know whether to try and keep her from falling or zip up. What did you do? I zipped up. Was she fell? Yeah. Well, I couldn't run over there the way I was. No, I guess
1: you could. I wouldn't think so. So she fell, and then she starts screaming, my back,
0: my back! Well, I'll tell you this though. I am never doing that again. What? You mean in your mother's house or all together? All together.
1: Like, oh, oh, yeah, right. right. Come on. Come on. You don't think I can? No chance. You think you could? Well, I know I could hold out longer
2: than you. Care to make it interesting?
1: Sure, how much hundred dollars? You're on. Wait a second, wait a second. Count me in on this. You? Yeah. You'll be out before we get the
2: check.
0: I want to be in on this, too. Oh, no. no not Why? it. Oh, all Why? Because you're a woman. Uh, so what? It's easier for a woman not to do it than a man. Oh. We have to do it. It's part of our lifestyle. It's like uh, shaving. Oh, that is such a baloney. I shave my legs. Not every day i yeah. We're back with the televerse this is kate kalsik joined as ever by simon howell and this week on the dvd shelf we are happy to welcome back uh, author and pop culture writer jennifer armstrong welcome back to the podcast
2: thank you for having me
0: so last time we talked about 30 rock this time we're talking about seinfeld i'm very i was very glad to revisit this show uh because it's one that i i very firmly remember from growing up um both watching it live but also in incessant reruns throughout yes. the 90s and uh uh, well, for me, it was just really fun to rewatch some of these episodes because I was s- very surprised on how much of it was locked in my memory. It was a lot of this show was very much exactly how I remembered it. There were a couple hmm. things that were surprises uh, for me, and we'll, we'll—I'm sure we'll dive in with with some of that. But, um, but what made you want to talk about Seinfeld? Besides, you know, you wrote a book on it.
2: <laughs> I—that was the main thing. I—I I just finished writing a book about Seinfeld that will be out next year and so it just seems you know this this has been kind of my life for the past oh i don't know 2 years or so um so if there's any show that i'm revisiting it's definitely that one i know it i know it very well at this point while i'm in the middle of final edits on my book
0: well i find it fascinating that of all the various shows that have Come back. I guess it really shouldn't be, but Seinfeld really feels like it's fallen out of the conversation for a lot of people. And I think that is solely down to the fact that it's not on Netflix or Hulu. Yes. Yes. And and why isn't it? Because this is a show that in its heyday was considered one of the all-time great comedies. And now it almost never pops up on those
2: lists. Yeah, it's so interesting. I've read actually a couple pieces now um, with people sort of talking about this idea that, you know, Only the shows that are on Netflix and Hulu end up getting into the consciousness of kind of younger people and continuing on in that way. Um, It's really, really interesting. And so, first of all, I can say I believe that they're close to a net, not Netflix, uh, they're close to a streaming deal, not with Netflix, Um, but... I think that the reason it hasn't been there is honestly, this is a huge money maker. Like it's just always been a money printer and continues to be in syndication. So I think they were a little reluctant at first and probably weren't as motivated as some other shows. Like they're swimming around in their millions and not exactly worried that they're not getting the extra millions from this, but people really want it. And I I think we're going to see it soon.
0: Well, and when it does show up streaming, I expect to see the same kind of reaction we've gotten to Friends uh, over the past few months where people have been, there have been lots of you know, favorite episodes and think pieces about friends. And uh, I would expect a similar, oh yeah, this show was actually really good. <laughs>
2: for sure. For sure. I mean, in some ways, Seinfeld almost its like it's never totally gone out of the consciousness because of those incessant reruns that you mentioned, like at any given time you can pretty much find them. But I think it is starting to fall off because of this new way of watching television that everyone has. And so um, we're definitely going to see, you know, I think people always, love to talk about this show i know just from working out a book about it and there will be plenty
1: of coverage i am sure
0: simon uh how much seinfeld did you watch while it was live
1: oh god uh while it was live honestly the only remember the only episode i remember watching live was actually the finale which I'm i'm sure we'll have occasion to talk about
2: it's, it's a pretty important, yeah. It's a it's a controversial topic for sure. Yeah,
1: and which was watched by what, like seventy million Americans or something? Yes. Uh, in I just just looking at the at the ratings on for these episodes on Wikipedia was just stunning to me. It's always amazing. But um, I I, I have very vivid memories of, of watching that episode because it was such a huge deal and because I was really excited about seeing the new Godzilla movie. Uh, because I was probably twelve at the time, and they and they were premiering like a new commercial for Godzilla, and there was even a reference in the Godzilla trailer to the Seinfeld episode that was a that was just about to air because I think it was right between the special and the episode itself. Anyway, there more distinct memories of the commercial, frankly, than the episode. Although, uh, the image of Newman and his popcorn never really went away. <laughs> um, and of course, af- after that, I-, I saw countless, countless episodes uh, in repeats. I'm sure at least fifty or sixty episodes, and it always struck me that I never, uh, I never caught an episode that was ins- insulting. I never caught an episode that was that was bad. There, there may have been an, ep- an episode uh, where the jokes didn't quite land. But there's never one where I thought I'm not sure why they bothered with this one. A couple episodes ago on on this podcast, uh, I I brought up the the principle of five seasons, uh, which may or may not be a thing that I invented, and uh this and Seinfeld is one of those uh exception shows that doesn't seem to follow that rule at all. In the sense that uh when if you look at any list of highlights, it's uh it's incredible how they seem to be more or less evenly spread out through the show's entire run, uh which is that's just an insane accomplishment.
0: Yeah, I mean something like the Soup Nazi is season seven. Um, yeah, like you say, there are certain up like with any show, nine seasons. There'll be certain seasons that people, um. Uh, like more than others, you know, when we have the momentum of the show and like Jerry, the show about nothing, whatever the show is in the show that gives them some more, there's more, uh, serialization, I guess with that and threads with George's wedding and stuff. But, uh, as opposed to the, some of the more standalone kind of seasons, but still there are really strong episodes in every season.
2: Yeah. I think, I think it has to do too with, it's sort of like a cartoon in a way. It's like the, the characters themselves never actually change. Um, and I think that helped them. I mean, they also clearly didn't run out of ideas, so that's definitely a testament to them and their incredible writing staff. Um, but I think that's part of it, too. It's like other shows, you know, you're, they're trying to, like, make stuff continue to happen, and you're just running out of stuff to happen. This is all so trivial. <laughs> they can make the trivial so funny that I think they were able to keep that consistency up.
1: Well, and also the... Uh... You know, the whole concept of the show about nothing uh, isol- sort of insulates them in a way. Uh, for instance, the whole the whole idea that the show kind of uh, mocks the idea, especially in that finale, uh, that we should care about Jerry and Elaine, for instance. Um, and it's sort of prophetic because there are so many other sitcoms before and since that have been so hinged on a will they won't they. And uh, and the whole premise of the show just it it. it it's uh you know the, the the notion of caring about that of, of what they're going to do uh w- you know with regards to that is is so antithetical to what the show is about or I, I, I guess I should say isn't about uh so and and, and that really helps keep the show uh, I think that that really helped it it's uh, it's sell by date
2: yeah and what's funny i will i will be the author here and tell you that um you know nbc really pushed for, as probably won't surprise you, a relationship between Elaine and Jerry early on no. when the show wasn't doing that well. <laughs> and there's actually this very weird episode. Like, if you watch those early episodes, there's a lot of weirdness. Like, they hadn't figured it out quite yet, and they were still a little, you know, beholden to the network to some extent because they weren't very successful. And there's this very strange episode um, where they do get together and it's kind of earnest. <laughs> It's very, very weird because we're so not used to that later on. There are like feelings expressed and stuff. And then what that, what they did is this was when they were back, when they were doing these extremely truncated weird seasons where they'd cram it in for four episodes in the summer or something like that. Um, And they did that at the end of a season. They came back the next season and pretended it never happened. That's a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah done there because they really david uh larry david and jerry seinfeld really had a great instinct as you note, um and did not want to go in that direction
0: i'd like to talk about the characters here because in the finale but also just in the general consciousness i feel like there's this sort of um awareness or just uh consensus i guess that everybody on seinfeld is they're just terrible people um, oh yeah and yeah <laughs> i have never felt that way Huh. Because and and I was curious, so I was I felt sort of validated rewatching some of these episodes. Obviously, you know they're in, in the finale. They're they're standing there making fun of this poor man who's being held up at gunpoint. And the fact that it's at gunpoint and not just being roughed up makes it even even worse. So obviously there are some many instances of them being terrible. But I think what this show gets to in a really interesting way is the the um the id <laughs> inside each of us. <laughs> The, the, mm-hmm. the you know, the the instincts that we all have of, oh, God, this is, it's an ugly baby. Can't we just say it's an ugly baby? Mm-hmm. And all these things <laughs> that we want to do and we want to say, but we don't because, you know, we're trying to be nice. Or, or I just I d- identified so much. I was like, these feel like what everything they're saying is what normal people would think and they wouldn't actually say. So why are we faulting them for verbalizing what so many of us have thought in previous situations?
1: Oh, yeah. I, you don't do it.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like it it, um, they are sort of they're sort of terrible people. Um, But, you know, there's the question of why did America love it so much if they're such terrible people? Um, And that is the answer. It's because we all really actually identified with them. And and a lot of um, the writers talked about how Larry David would tell them, like, use a thing that happened to you in your life for real, but then make it make the characters do what you wish you could have done instead of what you did do. Um, so that's exactly what they're, what they're doing. And I actually, you mentioned the finale. I think that, um, you know, the thing they do in the finale, the, you know, where they, they don't help the guy who's being held at gunpoint that always rang really false to me. me too. I never, I never felt like those people would do that.
0: Yeah, especially something like Kramer. I feel like he would have like chased the guy out of there yeah. and you like, Okay, I'm glad that's not just me, because I was watching that and like, maybe I didn't rewatch enough of it, but this doesn't ring true. Um, I
2: always felt that way.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and and again, I also think that, and this is kind of tangent, so, so I don't know if we want to, you know, tangent to this, but um, I do feel like there's an interesting level of New Yorkness to this mm-hmm. show, where it both, um, like their reactions to the person getting mugged, um, I think is supposed to be a very New York kind of thing. Um, And, uh, you know, calling them the New York four and all of that, where it's just like, I got my own problems. Why should I, you know, that kind of thing. But then, of course, it's also set in the whitest New York that has ever existed. Um, So in some ways, it does feel more New York. In some ways, it really, really doesn't. Um, So I think that's an interesting element as well.
2: Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I always it's it's amazing to me watching it after I, you know, after I moved to New York versus when I watched it as a kid when I didn't live in New York. Now I'm like, oh, this is so every everything about it is so on all the little tiny irritations of living in New York are there. Um, my my big beef, incidentally, is that they keep driving around in cars. That's the only part where I'm like, no, no one drives around in cars as much as these people do in New York. Um But yeah, I think, I think that's definitely true. I mean, I actually think, you know, I think when we watch it now, it looks pretty whitewashed and I'm not denying that completely, but I think that at the time it actually had quite a few, um, actors of color, at least as supporting, you know, background shopkeepers, all of that sort of thing.
1: Restauranteurs.
2: Um, mm-hmm. There was like, given the given the time, like look at that versus friends. Um, you know, you see a remarkable difference. They actually did, you know, even though within the core cast, obviously they didn't have any people of color. Um, I I feel like they did employ several, you know, and some of them had some, some nice, nice showy little roles. So obviously, you know, TV now is much more diverse than it was then, and we still have a problem, but, you know, I think that they did a slightly better job than Friends, let's say that. <laughs>
0: That's not setting the bar super high, <laughs> uh, but but fair enough. Um, well, let's talk about this cast, because they are supremely talented, and, and it, it's so fun for me, even just watching the pilot, granted Elaine's not even in the pilot, and, um, and there's you know, it takes them a little bit, like you said, Jennifer, to to find their feet maybe and really have the show completely gel. But even in that pilot, that feels like Jerry, that feels like George, and that feels like Kramer. And these actors are right in their character from the get go. They're, I think, they're really strong performances all around.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, they're like it's unbelievable. There's that's the only reason the show you know, happened, I think, because they, that part was there from the beginning. And, you know, Jerry was not, he has talked about the fact that he was not the strongest actor when he started the show, because that was not his training. And so they really smartly surrounded him with three people who I think are just, like, out of control good if you watch some, like, if you really watch the acting. Um I think Jason Alexander's amazing, and I keep saying I wish he'd have, like, a moment where somebody casts him in a cable drama now or something. Um, I think he's so good. Maybe he doesn't want to do that, but he's great. Um, Michael Richards is insanely talented at physical comedy in particular. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I felt like for so long, I was like, why are we not constantly talking about Julia Louis-Dreyfus? We seem to be doing that again. And I'm really glad.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and I think what's uh, what's really important is that they're not all just good, but they're all good in completely different ways. And it's, it's sort of amazing to me, actually, that they thought uh, to include uh, – you know, sort of to design Kramer because his performance um, is so – it's almost it's out of another era. It almost doesn't even fit – it doesn't fit before or after Seinfeld, and it doesn't fit during the era – I mean, not immediately before – uh, it, it it feels like, like a 60s or 70s performance.
2: He feels yeah. like a character from Taxi. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one, too. But And are you thinking of, like, cha- a chaplain thing, even, or something like that?
1: Some of that, yeah. There's, I mean, it. yeah, you, you can go back.
2: Julie Louis-Dreyfus may not have gotten,
0: like, anything to do on SNL, but I'm so glad she was there that season so she could meet Larry David yes. and be cast as <laughs> Elaine. Because I really... You watch, you watch that pilot, and there's a lot of really good, uh, fun stuff in there, but they so needed that female voice mm-hmm. in the cast, and they needed somebody strong enough to stand up to, you know, and share the screen with somebody like Michael Richards and that Kramer character that's so heightened. Um, so, yeah, I think I absolutely agree. I think they're really strong performances all around. Um, Jerry, he's more just... It's, <laughs> it's almost funny to watch him in... Because you can see him, like, almost break like, constantly... Yes. <laughs> he's trying so hard. He just sort of looks generally bemused most of the time. Uh, he's not an actor, but he's a very funny comedian uh he he does his completely his own um brand of comedy and and it works as the everyman he works but unlike some of the other shows that you know like even like simon and i've been talking about man seeking woman where that central character is the everyman but we don't feel like we actually know him we don't feel like he's actually a character i i do feel like despite being the everyman center of the show i still feel like jerry is a character Yeah, yeah yeah definitely
1: well, because he's given quirks and he's given things that aren't typical of an everyman, like for instance, his uh, his uh, germophobia and other things like that are, are very they're they're very specific character attributes that still feel in keeping with him, uh, but they don't really compromise his everyman status either.
0: Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about Newman? The fifth of the group, Wayne sure. Knight is, is again so fun. It, it, it's a very, again, a very big performance. But I think, look, watching it now, I I think I appreciated it more as a performance and as a series of choices. Whereas before, it would have felt like a um, just a, a wacky person. And and it maybe helps that I've seen Wayne Knight in other roles and I've seen him interviewed and everything too. But uh but yeah, I. I feel like as big a character as that is and as um, huge as Hello, Newman got, I still feel like he never really Urkled the show. Yeah. I think that's a deft hand yeah. from the writers to make sure that didn't yeah. happen.
2: I agree. And he was around a fair amount. Um, They didn't overuse him. I think that was good. Um, He wasn't always around, even when he was at his height, like you said, the sort of Hello, Newman heights. Um, They still didn't use him constantly. And... I thought, I think that helped. Um, We learned a lot of weird things about him that sort of could help. Um, You remember how it was a while before we even learned that he was a um, postal worker. And yeah, he's, he was a really, he's another, I think, just tremendous actor to kind of, you have to be a very special actor to hold down any of these without them flying away from you and being super cartoonish.
0: Absolutely. Well, talking about Seinfeld, and especially for me, it it's sort of I, I've been surprised. This was the first time anybody had even mentioned what about Seinfeld to do on the DVD shelf. It just is not a show that critics seem to go to as a show that a comedy that they're interested in from from the 90s or just in general. Um, and yet there are so many. There's just like the, the number of episodes, it's sort of like you could pull the Friends thing and say the one with. Mm-hmm. The contest or the puffy shirt or uh um Festivus or there are so many of those that really i mean again maybe it's just the time that the age I was when I was watching the show, but that really stick in my memory and I think are like could could be an iconic episode of of comedy um which are the ones that stand up for you guys
1: um I really love the pothole uh mm. which which has, as i understand it was was a nightmare to produce uh due to the uh you know the extensive amount of outs, outdoor shooting and things like that. Uh, that one just just the 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 beauty of its construction really really cannot be denied. Um, some of the more obvious highlights have already been mentioned. Uh, the um, the Cheever letters uh, <laughs> is is a really good one. The the punchline to the yada yada is definitely an unforgettable moment. Um, I don't know what about you, Jennifer.
2: I mean, I I'm sort of always a fan of Elaine episodes. I'm, I think I was obsessed with Elaine even then, and I'm definitely obsessed with her now. Um, I love, you know, I mean, this is like another duh kind of thing, but I love the Sponge, um, Sponge-worthy. That one's so great, and I think it was like one of those things for for me. I was like, like kind of just figuring out like what they were talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. I get it. Um, I love that one where, oh, the marine biologist, where first pretends to be a marine biologist. I love that one mainly. First of all, it's one of the ones that for me, like, brings, you know how they love to bring the, all of the strands together, even though they seem unrelated. I think they they landed that ending. And I love the ending. Like, the last scene is where he gives the speech in the diner about, you know, the sea was angry mm-hmm. that day, my friend's. And he tells the whole story of how he pretended to be a marine biologist because he was trying to get with a girl, of course, um, and how he ended up finding Kramer's golf ball lodged in the hole of the whale. Um, so that one I really love for his performance. It's it's really quite it's a long speech and he really he really nails it. Um I love the, there's two, I mean, you mentioned the two arcs and I'm going to kind of cheat and say that I sort of love a lot of both of those. I love some of the meta stuff they do where they're pitching the show to NBC and then it ultimately fails. Um, When they actually shoot the entire fake Seinfeld pilot with like Jeremy Piven playing the George character and all this stuff is amazing. Um, And what a feat of production And, um, I, I'm very, very obsessed with, uh, George's relationship with Susan, his doomed Susan relationship. And when they kill Susan off, it's, it's pretty extraordinary.
0: Yeah. There's, again, for me, and I just, there's so many, (laughs) there's so many, I just, because of course, the, the, aside from the ones that you guys have already mentioned, um, the marine biologist, that's also shrinkage, right?
2: No, not no, that's a sp- different one.
0: That's a different one. I just go to um moments like like the the Chinese restaurant or the, there are episodes of the show that I think nobody had really thought that you could make that an episode and yeah. i think it was very freeing as i'm sure it must have been for the creators but even as viewers to to watch yourself and it ties in with seinfeld's comedy of this recognition humor and uh but but i mean like the episode where they're just walking around trying to find their car because they can't remember where they parked it you know they they took experiences in every people's everyday lives and that was enough to be a show. Why couldn't that just be funny and that's the show? And so when people talk say that this is a show about nothing, I completely disagree because I don't think it's at all a show about nothing. Yeah. Um, I think it's a show about people and life. And uh, there doesn't need to be a high concept to it. It can just be people being funny. Um, and so the combination of the freedom to in- enjoy and uh, indulge in maybe the the less noble impulses of people for example when is it i think it's george feeds the 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 shellfish or the the meat the vegetarian who's mm-hmm. been a jerk all episode mm-hmm. or um uh you know just the the um uh, the <laughs> stealing the babka from the the mean old lady yes uh you know like just indulging in those moments that we wish we could as well as it's, you know, making not feeling the need to come up with these ridiculous over the top premises to episode, just taking everyday experiences and letting that breathe and let it, you know, experiencing that. I mean, I really do think it's a, a very significant show in the progression of what
2: a show can be, what a sitcom can be. Absolutely. I mean, that you mentioned the Chinese restaurant, that was a huge deal at the time. I mean, people still weren't really watching the show like it wasn't hugely popular yet. But they, like, NBC really, really basically said, we hate this episode and we don't understand it at all. And you they let them do it anyway, mainly, I think, because nobody was watching. Um, but they fought with them over it because it was like nothing happens. Um, and they, that was, that's a huge, of many, you know, that's uh, on a long list of kind of stylistic innovations that they brought to the sitcom that, every, you know, everybody does now and thinks is normal. But at the time was a huge
0: deal. I mean, I feel like a show like um, Always Sunny doesn't exist if you don't have a show like Seinfeld moving the barometer of what characters are like, how selfish or how, um, you know, I guess id-like you allow characters to be.
1: Well, and I I was just about to say, like, that when you talk about how much people do or don't talk about Seinfeld, now I wonder if we don't talk about it as much because it's just so part of the of tv comedy's dna now like you don't get always sunny i mean you definitely don't get charlie without kramer mm-hmm. um it, it i can't believe the 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 direct tie between them never really even occurred to me until i was rewatching seinfeld um even thinking thinking about actually basically the entire fx comedy lineup um but <laughs> for, but for instance like uh like Louie and its slap sh- and it's sort of like slapdash approach to serialization and of course the stand-up bits uh very very indebted to Seinfeld um, curb obviously in a in a in a whole more direct way and and i i think also a lot of people probably think of the Seinfeld season of curb as the actual ending to Seinfeld i do um, yeah I, I i figured and and kate you haven't seen that yet have you i
0: still have not seen that oh it's so good you have to Yeah. Watch. yeah yeah it's it's amazing
1: <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I wonder if it's, if it's so large and, uh, and so just the magnitude of, of its influence is just incalculable. Uh, and that's why we don't talk about it as much.
2: I think you're right. I think it's, I, I actually, I mean, I'm writing a book about it. So of course I'm going to say this, but like, um, I actually think there's very few things you cannot, you know, if you really looked at almost anything on television, you can trace something about it back. I think 30 Rock has a lot of Seinfeld in it in terms of the wacky kind of stuff that they did. Um, and all of the other shows that kind of then, you know, I feel like in some ways, I don't want to say rip off, um, pay great homage to 30 Rock. Um, you know, I think I, I even believe that our whole anti-hero trend of the last 15 years basically owes a debt to Seinfeld because it made made it OK to have people, unlikable characters at the center of your show.
1: Or yeah. theoretically unlikable characters, anyway. I don't think any of them is unlikable, really. Yeah, you know
2: what I mean. Like, what the yeah. network would call yeah. um, morally... Un- unethical, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> not, not nice characters. So I think, I think Tony Soprano, who is a huge influence over the last 15 years of television, you know, kind of is a direct descendant of the four on Seinfeld as well.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, sh- shall we talk about the finale a bit here before we run out of time? We
2: should probably um, do that. <laughs> um, so,
0: uh, I, I, I unfortunately I did run out of time because I forgot that it was a two part finale. Ah. So I watched the beginning of it, so the first half of the finale, which is basically just a normal episode <laughs> of yeah. Seinfeld, yeah, and then ran out of time to watch the second half. Oh no. um, So I, I I feel like I have to be upfront with that because I remember hating it, but uh, I feel like I would probably be a little kinder to it now that I've seen so much more TV and understand how really hard it is to do a finale um but I uh, what what do you guys think of of the of that finale the whole part 2
1: My my uh my uh heavy controversial opinion is that it's a perfectly fine episode of Seinfeld. It's it's I mean obviously the the gut, I agree the robbing and gunpoint thing doesn't really jibe um but, you know, they had to, you know, Larry David had to end the show somehow. He chose an ending and he did it. And I like that he didn't, you know, it seems to be heading for this big, happy uh, Hollywood ending or, or or whatever. And it zags and he and he sticks to it. And that's fine.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, even though what I said, I still think is true that that part, that one scene really, really doesn't work for me in terms of it felt like those people wouldn't do that. Um, but you know, Seinfeld is a heightened reality anyway. And it's a crazy finale premise anyway. So okay. Um, I think it I actually like the finale. I I overall, I, I'm a fan of it. I like I like doing something instead of not, you know. I like yeah. he planted his flag in the sand and said, This is what it is, and I think it's fine. I think it says something, at least and it's ballsy and it's fun to watch all those people come back and you know I think it's aiming for a little more like I said of a heightened reality there's there's this kind of no exit quality to that actual ending that I love um when they kind of pan back um with the camera and it's just these four people are stuck together and it's it you can make a lot of I mean and I'm sure people have um, you could actually analyze it pretty deeply as a piece of, like, literature if you wanted to. I mean, it's got a an element of, like, starch and some other things and um, that have always been influences on the show if you want to be really dorky and brainy about it. Um, Which we do, because that's yeah, what we do. You know, I mean, I really see that. And I almost, like, I almost feel like it's not really even supposed to be, even with the weird reality of the show, I'm not even... convinced that it's supposed to be like totally grounded in the reality of the show. I think it was more about like putting these people on a trial of sorts and you know coming down with a verdict that's a very it's a very literate thing to do and so I like that and I like the ballsiness of it and I kind of like I mean everybody hated it because they were like oh it was a big fuck you to America Um, because I mean (laughs) I, I tend to be like yeah that was really cool about it um, you know, I like that all of America gathered around their television sets to watch the Godzilla trailer and <laughs> take in all the other commercials and make people millions of dollars, you know, in advertising fees. And then he was just like, yeah, guess what? You've all been watching a bunch of jerks for 10 years. Congratulations.
1: Which also Sopranos connection. <laughs>
2: Total Soprano. I'm a huge fan of the Sopranos finale, too. So that just tells you. Um I like a finale that does something and has guts. So I'm cool with this finale other than the weird kind of character thing that we talked about.
0: Well, and I think uh it really was paid uh no it it got no help from all the advertising mm-hmm. leading up to it. It just Inflated everyone's expectations to the point where nothing could have possibly satisfied them. When they're like, we're bringing back all these guests, and like, they're mm-hmm. just like, oh my god! But if you have that many guests, you can't possibly service them all. So they each get one tiny moment, right? And that's it. And um, hopefully, you know, you were pleased. But but everybody saw those ads, and their favorite character showed up in those ads, and was like, oh, it's gonna be a soup Nazi episode, awesome! <laughs> and then the soup Nazi gets two lines of dialogue, and it's gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that the the advertising surrounding it also did the the episode no favors.
1: At the same time, there's no way Larry David wasn't loving all of that. Like there's no there's no way he wasn't watching that hype build up and just you know rubbing his palms together, <laughs> just wait just <laughs> waiting for the shitstorm to happen.
2: Yeah, I do think they were surprised by the hype, though, I will say. And I always think this is true to some extent. They're in a bubble. Any Anybody, I'd, same thing with The Sopranos. Like, it's so hard for them, I think, on some level, no matter how much they know is going to happen or whatever, to really understand how it's going to be received in the moment. And this was particularly interesting, too, because it was really finale. Now we, like, freak out about every series finale, you know, because we all freak out about everything now. Um, You know, the Parenthood finale, which 4 million people watch, everybody, like, the internet freaks out for a day. Um, Whereas then, this was not normal. Like, there was not a huge amount of hype for every single series finale that was happening. This was a new level of media because, you know, the idea of media covering entertainment at this level was kind of just, really coming into vogue so there's that too I think they really were blindsided by the sheer amount of um hype they they've told stories about you know they they could not believe that there was paparazzi hanging out outside the studio every morning while they were shooting it there were paparazzi scaling walls like to try to get a shot of anything they were doing They had to do all kinds of crazy stuff where they would basically like give out the script for the day and then shred it. And you couldn't leave without giving it, giving your script back and then they'd have to shred it. Um, So, you know, it was really, it was a very strange and hard to read situation for them too, for what that's worth.
1: And you lose sight of the fact that, guys, it's an episode of a sitcom (laughs) (laughs) with a, with a budget of like, you know, half a million dollars or something. Yeah,
2: Exactly.
0: You mean it's not gonna solve all the world's problems? No, no, huh. craziness. No, I know. Uh-huh. Huh.
1: And wait till they saw Godzilla. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, do we have any final thoughts on on Seinfeld, uh, Simon?
1: I just had a question for Jennifer, actually, since you uh, are are uh, are about to publish this book. What was I am just wondering if there was a if there was a tidbit or something uh, in your research that you found that you were most uh, most fascinated with.
2: Oh God, there's so much. Um, I think, I think I'll answer sort of a little bit broadly and say, you know, just there's so many, almost every one of these episodes comes from some little real life thing that happened to a writer. Um, and there was so much sort of like care and detail put into writing every one of these. What? I don't want everyone, most of these scripts, um, which I think is what makes it so good. And they really tried to like stay with it till the end, um, which I think is, is very, very cool. Yeah.
0: Jennifer, any final thoughts on Seinfeld?
2: Um, I think I would just, you know, I would just reiterate it's, it's amazing how much I think it both holds up. Like I'm actually still not sick of watching it. And, you know, <laughs> I had to watch all of the episodes at least one more time, having seen them several times and then a couple of them because they were important um, you know I watched many many times and I'm still not sick of it if I catch it on TV I'll still watch it and um, its influence is is truly staggering so I, I strongly advise any young folks who do not realize the influence of Seinfeld but are interested in television history to definitely go back and watch it and certainly hit the streaming service as soon as it's finally out there
0: yeah, and that's my final thought. Is uh, it's not always in the conversation, but guys, go watch some Seinfeld again. Hunt, <laughs> you know, hunt it up. Go to your local library, pop in a few DVDs, and yeah. it's if you remember liking it, you will like it as much as you remember. And if you don't remember it, you will discover a really fun show, very creative and zany, but also very relatable show. So I think people should. We'll should watch a little bit more Seinfeld and like you said, Jennifer as soon as it becomes available on streaming I'm sure we'll get a, a whole new like I want to see some super cuts of, of Kramer entering rooms I want to see you know exist. don't worry oh yeah mm-hmm.
2: if you're interested <laughs> there's plenty of weird Seinfeld media on the internet. I can tell you that much
0: well I'm gonna have to go hunt some down
1: and the DVDs are so cheap used
2: yes yeah, they're great. They're great extras, too. I would say that much. They they really went all out because this is what they do for Seinfeld. No matter what they do, they always like to do it the best. And the the extras, it took them a long time to come out on DVD, too, for the same reason. They wanted to do a really good job. And it's they're they're great.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Jennifer, for coming on. Where can other students find you and your work
2: online? Uh, Jennifer K. dot com. I am at J.M.K. Armstrong on Twitter.
0: Uh, Thank you again, Jennifer, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.